Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 179 of the Option Podcast. Could be 179. That guy looks like Joe Rich. What's up? That guy looks like the fish. That's John Kessel. And Todd Rogers is also on joining us via the magic of Zoom. So the episode starts right now. What's up, boys? How are you, big dog? How you doing? Nice. All right, so along with John Kessel and Todd Rogers, and along with Fish, Mark Fishman, the Dirty New Yorker, along with Joe Rich, I am Jason Didais. This is episode 179 of the podcast. Um, John, do you remember what you were sharing uh, before we got on the podcast? I asked you to hold that thought. It was it seemed um, important to the masses. <laughs> yeah, you know, the our sport is played in 221 countries in the world, which is as many as football and stuff it's you know it's this amazingly global sport and most of the countries that play can't afford the sport at the six-man level and what's beautiful about doubles both in the united states and around the world is that it only takes a couple of great dedicated kids uh, men or women boys or girls to represent their country even at the olympic level i'm thinking about Todd, I think you had Latvia in your group, you know, and you're never going to see a six-on-six Latvian program, uh, but you you can see a bronze medalist, if I'm not mistaken, from Latvia. And in the United States, club volleyball, especially six-on-six, has gotten so expensive that what the beauty of doubles through the things that we're doing at Beach Nation, we've got Special Olympics that I'm doing um, I'm doing it internationally as well. It's a four-on-four game. Uh, the three Special Olympians receive and hit, and the able-bodied coach setter does the heavy lifting, chasing down the shanks, and then setting the ball. And then you've got World Paravolley, and Fish and, and Todd can tell you about the hard work they've been doing on that, where they're three-on-three, um, three and like the old standing volleyball for the disabled, the disabled uh, Paralympians in, in the game that we're hoping to see in uh, Brisbane um, is three disabled athletes who compete year-round against all the doubles athletes. That's the way they do it in Australia and other countries. But, again, diversity comes in because now you've got disabled, and it's all through the magic of two-on-two beach. Remind me when the Brisbane Olympics is again. When is that? Uh the which Olympics? Sorry, you said Brisbane. Brisbane, Brisbane. is that Australia? Uh, 32, yeah. 2032. The 32. The, the next nice. four-year cycle after Los Angeles. Got you. Oh, okay. So Not Paralympics and Olympics are the same the same cycle, right? It's not like a separate entity. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they cool. they they happen about ten days after. The mm -hmm. village is the same. The venues are almost always the same, mm -hmm. um, and they they have about half the number of athletes, um, but they you know, also happen to be blind or, or uh, amputees or, you know, the, the, the blind soccer and the blind goalball and, you know, wheelchair tennis and wheelchair rugby. It's an amazing follow-up. And, and the disabled athletes indoor play sitting. The U.S. women won Tokyo gold as well as Rio gold. So our women's team is really, really strong. Um, but in that spirit, um, I guess I'm just thinking that 
the beach teams that we've had include players that come from our sitting program who then put their prosthetic on and then play on the beach and hey doubles volleyball yeah look um hey i got i got my man um sorry i got fish in the house i wanted to ask him a question so so fish um i can tell you one of the disadvantages of like indoor and beach or whatever like <laughs> if my car gets dirtier every time i go to a beach tournament and <laughs> indoor indoor my car comes out a little bit cleaner but that's that's where kind of the buck stops um i don't want to drive us up the steering cliff because john was onto a sweeter point but can you tell my audience like one of the more some of the more advantages of of just beach um doubles and fours uh com, com, you know comparative and contrast to just um just indoor sixes I think there's a bunch of different advantages. Um, in doubles, you need to be skilled at every aspect of the game. If you can't set, your partner's going to get served every time, and you're going to be making bad sets. If you can't hit, you're going to be getting every ball. So it really makes you a much more complete athlete, much more complete volleyball player. Um, you touch the ball a lot more. You move a lot more. So I think it's got a lot of advantages. The other thing is that the six-man game has evolved Six-person game has evolved to, if you're trying to play Division One indoor women's volleyball, if you're not over 6-1, there's a good chance you're going to have a very hard time playing. It's just gotten so big. Whereas I think Todd and Joe, who are coaching at the college level, can really talk about the opportunities for smaller athletes who are better athletes. Joe? Uh, you know, certainly uh, there's two different roles. You have... Uh technically the blocker position that uh, that tends to be more of that larger presence at the net but the defender as long as they can side out at a level to go against someone like that then the height of the player doesn't necessarily matter uh certainly has to match with athleticism you have to have the ability to some degree but it's you know certainly don't need a 6-2 defender you can you can have a 5-7 superior volleyball player and they can have success but given and Todd, do you want to talk about the growth of the beach game at all? Because it's the fastest growing Division One sport. It's the fastest growing sport in the United States, um, with possibly the exception of pickleball. But given when you get away from those top 10 teams or 12 teams, I think there's a lot of opportunity for smaller players. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, the, the beach game lends itself to being smaller uh, in, in some, a lot of regards. Uh, the indoor game, the requirement is, as you mentioned, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, and the blocking presence at the net and the ability to you know, hit the ball at a really high level because of that blocking uh, presence at the net. That's just not the case on the sand, as we all know. It's two on two, and uh, there's got to be someone back there that can scramble and run down shots. Even if you got a huge blocker, you still have to have someone that, that can run uh, and, and scramble, and that's most often rather than less, going to be someone who's a 5'9 defender, even 5'5", five, 5'6 five, five, defenders. Uh, you aren't seeing too many of the April Rosses, even at the elite level, that are 6'1 uh, defenders. Uh, you just don't see them very often. Most of our elite defenders, if I recall correctly, and we can discuss right now, you know, Sarah Hughes, I think, is what, 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, Sarah Sponsel is about the same. Uh, you know, Betsy Flint's 5'8", five, 5'9". Um, I mean, you can just keep going down the road. Kristen Ness is 5'7". Uh, you're not talking about six-footers right there. You're talking about a lot of young ladies that are exceptional athletes, can move and, and play fantastic defense, and they're having great success. And we're seeing the same thing at the collegiate level. 
You know, um, before I get to my next question, I, I definitely want to caveat by saying, Todd, that it's amazing when it comes down to like voting for MVP and most valuable player on the indoor scene and the outdoor scene. We're always expecting it to be some seven foot mythological giant at the end of the day, isn't it? It doesn't it still wind up being the normal size person. <laughs> Don't you guys find that intriguing? Or I, I know I know I'm not by myself on that, right? Like you can make an argument that Kristen Nuss was MVP last year. I gave it to, Ch- to Kelly Chang, but. Like, if Kristen Nuss got it, no one felt like they got screwed. Yeah, but that, you know? that guy Dalhauser had it for a while. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, well, Dalhauser ain't winning the female award unless one day he identifies it being a woman and, and then dominates the AVP forever. For how long? Forever. <laughs> Todd, I'm glad I got you and Rich on, on the show, and I want I want to hold on to you guys as long as I can before you leave, but I want to uh, uh, address Beach Nation first. I wanted to have like this kind of roadmap for Beach Nation to, you know, college eligible and stuff like this and that. So um, since I, I got everyone in the room who's part of Beach Beach Nation, I'm, I'm rocking L.A. Volleyball Club. Jason, I love, love you. Um, talk to me about some of the things that Beach Nation offers um, that you don't get with a lot of clubs. As you guys know, I was with Endless Summer for five years. You know, Deron had something to offer, you know, beach volleyball national events, getting out of showcases. Um, Patty Dodd, Mike Dodd, I don't know what the hell they're doing in MB Sam, but I'm, I'm sure they're doing their thing, right? You Patty know? is one of the You're one right. of the three founders of Beach right. Nation. Yes, she is. I saw her in the list. But I, I was making reference to the clubs, like Elite and this and that. What does Beach Nation brings, bring to the table that's... Um, I guess as far as, as a set, uh, in addition to a, a set of unique skill sets, all of you guys are highly competent people. I mean, uh, and I think that's an understatement. Give me one or two things that that you think you feel that you, that Beach Nation brings to the table that um, are more effectively than the other clubs. Well, How let me just start? jump in. We're not a club. Oh, okay, you're a nation. <laughs> but we're not. We're, but we're not a club, and the reason we started Beach Nation was to be able to coach coaches and coach kids in a with our own proprietary curriculum where we could take a look at how do we teach skills not just run drills how do we not just have kids compete and the best kids rise up how do we teach coaches to coach beach when they haven't had a lot of experience in doing it and be able to explain better techniques and when you look at john kessel to me he's one of the greatest catalysts for thoughts and education, if not the greatest that the volleyball community has ever had. So being able to get John to come in and look at our curriculum and have Patty and Todd create a curriculum and running the events. In fact, Todd, why don't, would you run with us a little bit? Why Beach Nation? Why did, why did we start Beach Nation? Well, we originally were, were thinking there was a real uh, dearth of coaching education for beach. Um, there was tons of indoors, uh, but there really wasn't very much for beach at all out there. And so that was our first kind of original thought process. And then we also morphed that uh, into coaching uh, the kids as well. And so we would do clinics, literally coaching clinics in the classroom for coaches and then have them come out with us on the beach and run a kids clinic as well and help us run that. And they would literally be on a court uh, with a college coach uh, because all the courts are usually uh, by either a head or assistant coach. Uh, Literally there's on each court 
And so they can sit there and they can listen to all of these great college coaches throughout the country and uh, hear what they have to say, see how they run the drills, uh, and then b- therefore become better coaches. And then we go back into the classroom for a second session and kind of go over what they saw, answer questions, as well as some curriculum stuff that we do. Uh, so that's kind of how it, it originally morphed. Uh, and now we're, we have you know, all over the country, we have events um, and clinics, both for coaches and for uh, kids in a couple of weeks. Kessel and I will be in Denver um, and, and possibly fit Mark as well. Uh, so doing exactly that, literally having a, a coach's clinic to start with and then a kid's clinic where all the coaches are going to be on a court working with these kids kind of under our tutelage uh, and then back into the classroom. So it was an opportunity for us to kind of one, uh, educate two, give back in a way as well. Uh, and then, you know, for college coaches, it's a great way to be able to get out there and recruit and see a lot of the, the kids as well as to hang out with your peers and kind of talk shop amongst ourselves as well. So we just got done with an event in San Antonio. We had 10 different college coaches there, uh, one on each court. Uh, and it was good to just talk shop and kind of not only to have the kids see those coaches, but also to talk about what's going on in the world. So Beach Nation has been a real catalyst on multiple fronts. Uh, and now we're going obviously into the building brilliant futures uh, and Fishman's a little bit more versed in that. Uh, but that's a whole another area that uh, we're starting to touch into now, which Jason, you're, you're very familiar with as well. You and yeah. Jason were, uh, were talking about not that long ago. Yeah. I mean, I can even go as far back as Deron Forbes for me. We had one coach for every four people, you know. Um, I mean, look, there, there, there are people who are great former players that become coaches and there are people who are, there's a mixture of everybody. But I thought Jaron Barreto was really good. I thought Pompeo is a very good drills coach. I got I thought or a skills coach. Um, and Todd, there is something to be said about like that special attention. Um, John, I want to get to you in a minute, but I wanted Rich's sentiment on this because Rich, does, Rich doesn't just get to sit here and be quiet. Joe Rich on the house. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Mark and Todd certainly covered a lot of uh, things that established Beach Nation. I came in a little bit after uh, they started it, but what really attracted me to it was uh, having such a wealth of knowledge, but then all these wealth of knowledges work together to make themselves better. And I think that's where the key to Beach Nation is, is uh, we're, we're trying to establish not only for the players, but for coaches, a environment where you can grow. Uh the clinics as well as the coaching clinics, uh, everything that we do and every idea we have, there's nothing set in stone. It's something that we're at this point and we can move forward with it. And that's probably the biggest thing I think Beach Nation offers, at least to me in the beginning, was an opportunity to become better as a coach and as a communicator and all these different functions. And I think obviously Todd and and Mark really hit the highlights, so I don't have much to add on that area. But uh, for me personally, I thought that's what Beach Nation is to me. Um, okay, John, I have a question for you, but if there's a thought you'd li- or something you'd like to add to that, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Joe, the soundbite that I hope your listeners hear, especially if they're uh, past players thinking about giving back to the sport by, you know, mentoring, if not even coaching, is that a rising tide lifts all boats. And that's really what Beach Nation, I think, does so well, is that it works you know, not selfishly in a silo to keep secrets in the silo, but shares the way Todd, you know, hey, he's a gold medalist. He could be making money just for himself doing, 
narrow focused things, but he's helping everybody in the United States and really around the world. So I really like that. And, and going back to what Todd and Fish were saying to any parent or any uh, player listening, beach is an incredible avenue to become a, a successful indoor player, especially if you start young and do things like Misty and Karch used to do, which was play with your mom or play with your dad against adults because your brain has to process this higher speed of adults. And then when you go back to playing teen volleyball, it's like, oh, oh, this is pretty easy because it is, you know, you're, you're not. But doubles volleyball allows you to play father, son, father, daughter. We got a huge Father's Day tournament in Vail in like 10 days where 100 teams are going to be playing father, son, father, daughter. What, what a great way to get on the sand. But the sound bite for the parent and the player, it's not how tall you are. It's how good you are. It's how good you are as a volleyball player. And Beach, as they noted, develops that all-rounded player that is so valuable at the collegiate level. Yeah, indoors included, not just beach, but indoors. Yeah. And, yep. you know, not how tall you are. And I want to say one last little thing. The bronze medalist for Japan in the 2012 Olympics, alluding to this height thing, was five foot one. That was amazing. They, they couldn't keep her off the court. Yeah, and so they beat and they beat the Chinese, right? Six John, they beat, they beat the Chinese for the bronze, didn't they? I remember that. Yeah, five one, and and they, you know, because it's not how tall you're, it's how good you are at reading and doing the things that Todd is so you know, world-renowned at because he's such an incredible all-around player of the game of volleyball with an incredibly high volleyball IQ. That's what doubles does for you. So yeah. that's So let me lay, <laughs> let me lay out Beach Nation a little bit. So Beach Nation has obviously John Kessel, Todd Rogers, Joe Rich, Patty Dodd. Patty Dodd, who was just recognized from USA Volleyball as being – Coach of the year. Hold on, we gotta recognize the fish. Recognize. Go ahead. Uh, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing to recognize against he's this so, crowd. He's so you know, humble. This, got, is, this is like me Beth, putting him on the Beth, spot. We have Beth, Beth Van Fleet from Georgia State who got Coach of the Year. We have Kristen Rohr who just took a job, left GCU, and she's now the head coach at ASU. Coach of the Year. We have John Spara who obviously run, leads our boys' side, the men's national team coach. Um, and the UCLA men's coach who just got coach of the year. So the people we have who are involved in developing Beach Nation, and I'm leaving out just a whole host, and if people want to see who we have, go to beachnation.net. Right. Um, but you'll see we travel the country. So normally these kids would have to go to a national team try out to get recognized and try to get onto these courts so they go to an individual uh, university event and they spend a lot of money here we're bringing they're being seen by national team coaches national team scouts division one coaches coaches from their own region that todd helps put together so it's such an opportunity and you're not just on one court you're being worked with by all the different coaches so it's an opportunity to work intimately with these coaches and get feedback from these coaches and again, have skill development, not just drill development. So we, we've, we're bringing something of a whole different value with a lot more critical mass than these kids would ever get in San Antonio, in Ohio. In, we're going to Connecticut with Pat Ryan 
um, for the fourth year in a row this year. So we're doing things in New England. And Beach Nation, from the work we've been doing, we are now the beach education provider for the JVA, USA Volleyball, through the JVA, the AAU, and with Starlings Volleyball, which has got about 68 different clubs across the country for yeah. inner city kids. Including New York, yeah. So that's what we've created. And as we started to work on Beach Nation, and John was a real catalyst for this, was what, where should the vision go? Because we started, we took a bunch of the national team members and we created a, a free series of videos of how to teach beach volleyball for Starlings. And we started doing that, and then John became available uh, when he left USA Volleyball, and he started talking about para sports. When we had him starting to talk about para sports, Citibank said, "Hey, wait, we are the largest um, contributor to the Paralympics. How do we get involved?" So John has been an incredible catalyst for para sports, and now we're doing work there. So what we've done is we've morphed beach nation that still does camps and clinics works with kids across the country we have a evolving curriculum that we look at and we continue to evolve and try to bring in uh, best practices better teaching technique um, we challenge ourselves we ch challenge conventional wisdom about how can we do it better but now we've created something called building brilliant futures making opportunity possible I like it. And yeah. it is about making opportunity possible, and it is about – so now we have Beth Finn. We're doing two universities in the fall. Uh, we're going to use ASU, and we're going to use uh, Georgia State, and we're going to be doing using the outreach of their, of their academic programs into the inner city, combining so academics with education departments mm -hmm. to create an opportunity for these kids to come in, get tutored by the universities – be able to be trained by the athletes and the head coaches. We will be Wilson. We will be giving them a ball, mm -hmm. so we don't have to worry about the eighty dollar volleyball. Right. We'll be making sure they get fed and they get they get something to drink, and it's a it's a holistically healthy environment. And we're going to be working with kids from fifth to eighth grade, so we're at an age where we can actually have a positive outcome because it's not just about finding the next Olympian, but it is about creating a virtual cycle. For these kids through sport and education to be able to create a better opportunity for people to achieve yeah well it's definitely not about finding the next olympian after all we're only we're only going to have maybe four right and we got the we got the other thousands of people to worry about so i totally got you on that uh three important things i wanted to uh uh add uh, uh, add to this before i pose uh, the next question and mark free to feel free to jump in and just ask todd or whatever the questions the thing that i found attractive about beach nation because you were previously on the podcast and we talked a little bit about it i really like that you have a coaching staff or, or people that are open to new ideas right there are coaches out there that think there's one way to do it it's my way and your way's wrong oh angle passing midline oh, oh, oh. you know it's, just, it's, just, it's like grumpy old men part four for christ's sakes all right um that would so be kessel I, that well it was kessel for a while yeah <laughs> I, I mean i met kessel at um <laughs> I met Kessel. The first time I met Kessel was at Hunter College. He was doing a coaches clinic for CUNY coaches because CUNY coaches were rather thin. Those those are just active players who were just trying to make extra money. And really, in that whole conference, you at that time, John, there was only like one real coach. That was Justin Stack or the Stack family at Baruch College, right? Um, right. I was because I was one of those player coaches. I was the head coach at City College at that time. I was coaching in um, City College. I, I, I remember Chi DiMaggio. Her and I helped build City Tech from the ground up. 
you know they didn't even have have a club team so there's a name from the past who a, a woman who reveres and respects you um i started new orleans last year by the way i went to new orleans last year or the year before but the second thing i liked and this is a deal maker versus deal breaker for me um inclusiveness inclusiveness is big on, on the, the the kids level we can have a whole other conversation about adults but to hell with adults we ain't talking about them right now but um inclusiveness is so important allowing people who bring a particular skill set to be part of this gang allowing people who who strengths play to your needs at a program instead of referring to this good old boys club that eventually other people will figure out and catch up and pass you so um the appreciation I have for this group of people uh, um, where one, uh, like I said, open to new ideas and two, being inclusive. John, this is inclusive as hell. You got Todd on the West Coast. You got you got the dirty New Yorker here from, you know, you got Rich who is uh, Chicago. You, yeah, Chicago to Grand Canyon University, right? You were the assistant there for a little bit? Uh, five or four years. Yeah, and um, a little bit, for a lot bit. <laughs> Me and this guy sang karaoke every, every time we went to AAUs. And, and, and of course, Todd, you know, the, the professor before he before he was the professor. So I really, uh, I, I, that's not a question. That's just one of the things that, because we have an audience, we owe the audience uh, um, what, what we all think we're, what Beach Nations is about. That's what I think you guys are about. And I think it's absolutely fantastic, Mark. I, I think we challenge each other with critical thinking. I think we're pretty good at critical thinking. I know we can. We challenge conventional wisdom. We ask why an awful lot. Yeah. We have no problem taking good themes and challenging why are we doing it this way, not a different way. Yeah. You know, we took a look at somebody like Lucy Jones, who cast you introduced me to, and now the next generation over at... Um, at Starlings, and we were able to bring in someone like Chrissy Jones or Patty Dodd, Patty, Patty Oresco uh, Dodd. Mm -hmm. um, you look at the amount of people that have been involved in giving us what I would say is critical, um, constructive feedback. Um, sometimes less, sometimes a little bit more destructive than constructive, but generically <laughs> I would say constructive <laughs> feedback. Um, but I, I really believe what we are built on is a desire to do better and to challenge conventional wisdom and find better ways to do things, how we run clinics for kids so they're more productive, so we can be a positive catalyst for kids so that they're learning. Even when they leave us, they're still taking those themes and they can apply them themselves. Mm -hmm. um, it's John talking about more touches, less talk. It's creating thematic effectiveness so that we actually can do common good. And it's not just through volleyball, it's also through life skills. Yeah. Anytime you can go through a, um, a season and you don't have one, yours is just all year round, right? But anytime you can go through a situation and a, a girl leaves, she goes home from practice or drills or whatever, and you guys look at each other and say, girls like that are the reason why I made this club <laughs> or, or made this, this institution. That, that's a win. That's a win for volleyball. That's a win for sports. That's a win for building better minds. And very much like theater, John Kessel. Uh, um, yeah, sometimes acting's not about writing <laughs> or, or, or talking. It's about doing, you know? Uh, uh, An ounce of behavior is worth a pound of words. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Got I it. was going to say, one, you take a look at, at Kessel's son, Cody, mm -hmm. who played at Princeton, um, was a wonderful player, continued to get bigger, stronger, played internationally. And he just wrote a book. And when you read his missives, 
when you look at the themes of how he motivates, I find Cody motivational. I find John motivational. He's a catalyst for thought. I Cody's find, cool too. <laughs> I find his son is actually a catalyst for my thought. So it really is about paying it forward. Yeah. So Todd, um, this is a question for you and Rich. You, Todd is the head coach at Cal Poly. Um, you Big West champ, uh, Todd? Uh, not this year. We got second this year. Right. We were the previous did, three. Did it come down to the last pair again? No, it didn't actually. Okay. We were in Hawaii and it was a lot hotter and yeah. uh, we we kind of groveled through the losers bracket and weren't able to finish uh that's finish off Long man, Beach. Man, that's tough. I remember LMU did that in 2019. We would lose his bracket and had to beat Pepperdine twice to win. Um, yeah. That was also a year that you and Hawaii were down to, to pair five. Um, I was calling. Right. I was calling court four. The only, I, I just had the, the honor, duty, and privileges being there. So, so John, I, this is where I'm going with this because I think so. I always, everyone thinks like, what the hell is the guy talking about? But I'm going somewhere with this. The last five or six years, um, whatever number you want to put on that, since it's become an NCAA sport, all of the club sizes have tripled. Uh, I don't have the numbers with me, but it's become more of a business in this and that. So, Todd, with so many options in, in which to recruit, are some of the things you're teaching beach, the Beach Nation kids or something college coaches are looking for as far as um, um Maybe not necessarily leadership. Maybe, uh, maybe that's a boy's thing or a girl's thing. But leadership, maturity, stability, just some of these things. You know, like before, like in the, back in the day, we had to recruit divas, and they were called divas because they were good, right? No, there's no such thing as a bad diva. They're called nothing, right? But with so many people to choose from, you don't really have to recruit that person anymore. So my question is, are some of the things you guys are teaching um, – in relation to volleyball now you can answer this on the volleyball thing or the other and i think you know where i'm going with this talk um are some of the things that you're teaching these kids or something college coaches would be looking for so usually uh in almost every single one of our clinics we have a, a morning session an afternoon session and a lunch in between and during that lunch is exactly what we actually talk about um we call it a recruiting 101 and it does touch on the volleyball side, you know, that how, how athletic are you can, you know, how you pass, serve, hit, et cetera. Uh, but one of the main themes that ultimately ends up coming out uh, and it does every single time, and it's kind of, it's pushed a little bit by us, but hopefully someone, one of the kids asks a poignant question about, you know, what else do you coaches look for besides on court? Uh, because one of the things we always talk about is, okay, are you the kid that's screaming at your mom to get you your water bottle right now? Uh, and I'm as a coach watching and recruiting going, Hmm, do I really want to bring that kid in or you're screaming at your partner and you're treating her poorly, uh, or you're just berating the ref, uh, over and over again, every single play, which I know I have done that a few times myself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, these are the kinds of things we talk about and okay. So if you want to get recruited and there's a really good player on the left-hand side, a really good player on the right-hand side and playing wise, it's all kind of pretty equal. Yet the one gal on the left is is treating her partner really well and, you know, saying please and thank you to mom and, hey, you know, shaking the hands of the referees and the other team after the end of the game. And the other gal is, you know, doing all of the opposite things. Guess who we're going to take? Um, yeah. It's pretty, you know, to me, it's a, a no brainer. I want gals that one, want to be at Cal Poly, two are good people, three are good in the classroom. And of course, are good volley beach volleyball players as well. 
but those other pieces do tie in and, and we try and stress that and say, look, there's more and more of you out there, which means the skill levels of everyone is going up. And there's always going to be a few elite, you know, super special gals. Uh, but when it comes down to kind of right after that level, there's a lot of gals. What differentiates you? And that's one of the areas that we encourage them at Beach Nation, actually. Differentiate yourself by saying thank you, saying please. And it, every single time I coach at Beach Nation, I, I'm always amazed at how many of the gals, and it's not all of them, but how many of them hear that and then actually come up after you know, I've done a court or whatever. And hey, coach, thank you so much. I learned. And literally, they'll tell me something that we were talking about. I'm like, awesome. That's great. Great to hear that. Uh, and then follow up with an email. Like that differentiates them and, and makes them, oh, okay. And it makes me remember them because of that. So yes, uh, to answer your question, you knew you teed it up nicely for me. I appreciate that. Um, and that is super important part of the recruiting process. Well, it sounded like we were talking about Chrissy Jones, right? <laughs> The type of person you were talking about, shake hands, respectful, this, that. Um, uh, uh, she came on the podcast. She was episode 83. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is the kind of girl that walks into a room and like men stand up and she goes, no, no, that's okay. <laughs> like, like you, know, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Rich, something you wanted to add to what Todd was looking for? I know. Uh, and then Fish. Sorry, guys. Uh, certainly, you know, it's always fun to follow Todd because he's usually pretty thorough and he, he covers all the bases. You just got M&Ms from eight miles. That's okay. <laughs> he but, said uh, everything you was about to say. Uh, but I'll, I'll add kind of my perspective on it. Uh, I put things, uh, as Todd would eloquently say in buckets, uh, you know, as a college coach, we, we have to look at the player, of course, but that, that is a separate bucket. We're looking at the student, what kind of person and how are they going to do academically at the school? What kind of person are they? So their personality, which then connects to like team cohesion, which is such an important part of the college women's game. And then do they have any other things that they do? Do they have other things that they can rely on when things are not working out? You know, but if you put all your eggs in one basket, then if you're having trouble in that area, you have nothing else to draw from. Right. You know, so it's just understanding we'd like a more complete person and we're looking for a more complete person, not the best volleyball player. Todd is really and Todd is really good at sniffing that out since I still got you on camera. Um, like Todd will look at a, a girl and how the girl treats him and then hope he might stick around for an hour. And he's like, wait, how she how is she treating her club coach that doesn't have like my name? Is she treating that person the same? Is she, is she like, F that dude, but Todd, I got to show respect to, you know, whatever, and this and that. So so there is something thorough <laughs> about about what we're looking for, what you're, you're looking for. And I'm really glad Beach Nation is um, just, I don't know, just doing that other. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say that when you're Todd Rogers, you're an Olympic gold medalist. You've done all these amazing things. In the volleyball community, people are going to treat you differently. And he's deserved that right to be treated differently. Well, he deserves it as a coach now. I mean, he, the, I'm a New Yorker because to coach, me, that means all, all that means something. Yeah, what does that mean as a coach? He's, Todd, Todd showed that. Yeah, no, he, he's the professor is pretty darn good. John Kessel, same thing. Yep. We go someplace and people go, "Oh my gosh, that's John Kessel." Um. Usually, it's, "Hey, Mark, can you grab the door?" I'm fine with that. So Todd is hyper aware, not of how people treat him. And I've, look, he's my best friend, so I've seen this over a long period of time. He's hyper aware of how people treat other people as well. So are you just being nice to me or is this actually who you are? And I think that's something that we hyper focus on. 
because yeah. you know it just there's no accounting for people's bad manners yep. and at the end of the day i think generically all of us are in a position where we can kind of exclude some of the toxicity so you can bring it but we don't have to accept it and we've worked very hard to create a culture at beach nation where we reject that culture and we work on positivity constructive criticism again skills not drills so when you're when you leave you will have left a cocoon of positivity and constructiveness not we're here to run drills and take your money yeah there's there i mean for skills and drills i, I i've never seen any championship team that existed without one or the other but i do appreciate the balance of skills because you, there are just mindless reps and um I think we, if we're going to coach at a higher level, we owe it to ourselves to um, to always examine the why. So in case the kids ask the why, we 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 give them answers and they look us in the eye and they actually believe us. <laughs> um, um, yeah, Todd's a mensch. We mentioned that the the, the term mensch. <laughs> is John Kessel mean? a mensch? Tell him, tell him what a mensch means. A mensch is a Yiddish word for somebody who does good for other people for no other reason than he's there to do good. It's gotcha. it's true something for nothing. Yeah. Uh, um. And you know, I don't know. I met Todd. I thought he was from New York. I thought <laughs> you could have been from the Bronx, Todd. <laughs> but again, but when, when you look at the Beach Nation coaches, <clears throat> mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think there's any one of them you can look at and say Beth Van Fleet. Chris, you know, you just, you oh, John, you Jones, John Kessel. What John, are you talking about? John Kessel, <laughs> no, Joe, <I'm> <laughs> you know, uh, Kristen. Roy, the, you look at this group of people, and mm. you, they're people you want to be around. Yeah. And they cool. and they're winners, and they're winners when they played. They're winners when they went to school. Everything they've done in their life, if they're competing, they're there to win, right. and they do it in a nice way. It's pretty cool. All right. Speaking of pretty cool, uh, let me ask you a small talk question. I want e each of the four of you to, um, of all the places you visited to do the clinics and juniors, I want you to give me one place that 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 you just liked. You you enjoyed the environment. You enjoyed the food. Um, Rich, you go first. Uh, actually, my first uh, Beach Nation uh, clinic was up in Dekine. Uh, it was my first time actually oh, in the area. Oh, you know, Land. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I got to work with uh, Todd and a bunch of great coaches, but uh, I just thought, for me, I'd never been to that beach and how Beach Nation had run before, and mm -hmm. it, it was uh, just a truly amazing experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and also from a person that didn't really know Todd that well, how open he was to communication, because I had, obviously, we had spoke around that time when I was, I think it was my first year. I had a lot of ideas, and I still do. I don't have a shortage of those, but uh, he was someone that would listen, and he would take value, but then also lead it down a direction where it got better you know what i mean and that was for me my, the, my favorite nice. my first one was my favorite castle you're awfully quiet over there what what, what place did you enjoy visiting and and as far as the people i think yes uh oh he left <laughs> i think we lost his he a windstorm oh okay you awesome. saw in the background all the wind going on he got blown uh, away dude yeah <laughs> the, the, the phone might have flown out of his hand I'll, I'll go on small screen and see if he's trying to actually get back in. Uh, but but Todd, um, how about you take you, you take one on this? Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of really cool events over the years um, with some a lot a lot of talent uh, at those events. But probably my my favorite one actually, uh, and this may sound odd, but it's actually in Hartford, Connecticut. We've gone there a bunch mm -hmm. of years. Uh, the the level is is actually lower. 
there has yet to be a gal there that's been like a, a Cal Poly gal um, or at that level. Um, is everyone on still? Or yeah, not? yeah. I just wanted I wanted the audience to see you sure. for a little bit. Um, then I'll go back to this. It's just it, the the level is a, is you know fairly low, but it's really from an area that for me is just trying to develop still. Uh, I mean, you, you guys are, you're from New York, you, you know, the area well, like beach volleyball is, is not a crazy happening up there in Connecticut and New York and, and Maine. And uh, I mean, it's there, uh, but there's no colleges yet that are there. And so when I saw these gals and guys too, coming out and playing and just wanting to get better at beach and uh, I really enjoyed it actually. Uh, and the people there were great. Uh, parents were awesome. Uh, but just helping to grow the game was really, really fun and enjoyable for me. Uh, and it wasn't so much in, about recruiting or anything like that. It literally was just growing the game in an area that I think, you know, hopefully some college up there will will adopt it and, and run with it. That would be awesome. I think I would really give a huge boost in the, you know, the, the East Coast there, particularly up north. Uh, but until then, hopefully we can just keep going back and helping to grow the game in our small little way. Well, some of the best beach players I ever played the game were, were indoor players because there is the there. I mean, look, we trained like idiots back then. <laughs> we did things to our body that just made us stop playing at 30 years old. And any someone like Reed Pretty, who played till he was 38 and then hit the beach. I'm like, I don't know how the hell he did it, because Todd, you, you're we're, we're almost the same age. You know, we like the way we trained back then was, was not. A survival thing, but I'm talking about like taking care of first hit, talking about the speed of the surf or indoor, talking about having to pass a specific target. So it's really no wonder that that a lot of the best beach players were, were indoor players. So Todd, I mean, Connecticut, you know, um, Sacred Heart, you know, university out there. I forgot. Um, I forgot the coach. He got poor guy got kicked out. <laughs> he got, yeah, Quinnipiac, right? No, it was um, Bertucci. Yeah, it was Bob. Yeah. Bob Bob smacked a kid upside the head and got, got fired. Um, but, you know, some really good New Yorkers. Kevin Edwards played for the Trinidad national team. He built a, be a beach facility in Queens, New York recently. So I just wanted, cool. to, I wanted to highlight him. Um, uh, Ruth Nelson, wherever you are, with Bring Your Own Parents Volleyball, man. How about, how, how's that for like a mention? <laughs> if you, I'm, I'm, I'm Todd and you're old enough to remember him. Go ahead. Your turn. I was going to say Pat Ryan, who runs <clears throat> Connecticut Huskies. Um, just one of the nicest people on the planet and somebody who spent his whole life giving back um, and now has just an unbelievably successful club. And it, one of the things I always liked about Pat, and he's got some very good players. He's put a bunch of indoor people into Division One. He's got a very robust boys program. He's got a very robust girls program. But when you run large clubs, it's not the kids who go Division One that pay your bills, because most kids don't go Division One. And right. Pat yeah. always made sure that his focus was not on the best kid, but the kid. And mm -hmm. he ran his programs very much like that. And I think when you go up to Hartford or Windsor, Connecticut, which we'll be going to again soon, you walk in there and you feel that energy of the, every kid's, they're good kids. And that comes through the program. So when you go there, you're really happy to be working with kids who want to learn. Oh, yeah, I agree. And every year it gets a little bit better and we get some more good kids. And um, this year with USA Volleyball announcing that we are their beach educational partner, we're going to be doing an event in Denver with the uh, with the 
the regional commissioner is actually hosting us. We will have our largest ever coaching coaches clinic. Yeah. Um, Todd's staffing for that one. Uh, we had 11 coaches sign up the first day just mm-hmm. to get coached. So it's really, it's a pretty, like it's really, it's one of these virtuous cycles where things every year gets a little better. We do a few more cooler events. We have more regions reaching out to us. We have uh, more big clubs reaching out to us. 210 has been a staple for us in terms of helping us grow and send our message out. It's just really been a, a, a fun thing. I, I wish I could tell you I had one place that I liked. I just have so many good or funny stories from so many of the different places. What's the first one that came to your mind? First one came into mind is we did one of our first uh, Beach Nation events in Florida. So we had Phil Dalhauser and we had Nick, we had Todd, Brooke Niles. It was a wonderful group of people. We had Todd almost light a car on fire. Uh, forgot to take off the parking brake. Um, anybody smell something? Anybody smell something? It's fine. No, I'm pretty sure the wheel's on fire. No, no, it's fine. Um, Todd, really, truly burning rubber, huh? Burning rubber. Um, you know, there, there's, there's just... Todd and I think one of my favorite memories in volleyball is Todd and uh, and Phil holding hands so they're they're passing with their outside arms and they have to try to pass together and uh, just watching those two laughing maniacally as they're trying to work as as one and uh, they're just kidding each other uh oh he's telling me what to do again fish help me help me yeah. Um, just so fun watching everybody have fun and the kids just completely have the opportunity to play against Phil and Todd. So, so just, just fun. Just really just so many fun memories of good kids and amazing coaches. We've had so many coaches from so many programs. Todd, if you had to guess, how many different schools have we had work with Beach Nation over the last five years? Oh, geez. Uh I don't know, 30? Yeah, like from 2018 uh, to the present, right? Wow. So, so 30 top Division One coaches where kids have the opportunity to be seen, work with them, and we're doing it in their backyard. They don't have to spend the money traveling here with mm-hmm. the hotel room. Think about how much money they're saving just in general just to have us go there. Nice. Got a uh, text from John Kessel. He says, sorry, guys, we had a windstorm hit outside and inside, and we're feeding the staff that's working on the lodge of the event center landscaping. So I had to jump off because I would have interfered with the sound of the podcast and had no place to hide right now. He, he looked like the guy looked like he was trying to hide. I mean, so we got to give him, I got to give him credit on that. All right. Some lightning. I hope all it went well. Hope, hope, hope everything goes well. <laughs> wow. So guys, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that I really think we've been working on and everybody's been just incredibly supportive is this building brilliant futures aspect Mm -hmm. because beach nation would kept doing charitable ideas we Mm -hmm. we beach nation at the end of this month we're going to be working with the avp we're serving and a bunch of the pros we're going to be doing a feed the homeless right so we'll be working with the la food bank um we reached out to do a combined event with the avp and the la rams which mm-hmm. hopefully will get done, but that'll be something in process, in right. progress. Uh, working with universities to have them with their outreach into their local communities and yep. then create an educational symposium so we can be a living lab, learning lab for the universities to how to optimize these programs. So this year our goal is to do two or three universities 
Next year, we'll try to add five. The following year, we'll try to add 10 so that we actually are a reason for corporations to help facilitate the growth of these young students. Yeah, and here's the other thing that impressed me, Rich. Um, like you said, you had 11, uh, well, Fish said uh, you had 11 coaches come out for Colorado. Was that it, Colorado? Or, the first or? day they signed, we signed right. up 11 coaches. And for me, uh, I always say to the players, because I have these, sometimes you have these onboarding meetings with clubs or whatever, but I got, you got to say this about adult coaches too. Um, one must participate in one's own salvation, right? Like you want to help, you want to go out there and help, but who, who wants to show up and say, Hey, I need help or Hey, I'm, I'm interested or whatever. So I'm very, very happy that, that, that these, that you can get 11 coaches in a region to come out that they're saying, Hey, you know, um, I want to share knowledge or, or to hell with that. I'm, I'm just, you know, that's Todd. I'm going to assume I don't know anything. Just teach me. Uh, um, but you, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I'm glad that there is this participatory thing uh, to come with the coaches who we look, we're all coach. We all know that can go another way. We all know someone's ego will be like, no, nah, thanks, but no thanks. You know, so uh, that's the thing, Todd. And uh, I, I want to give this to Rich. Um, how much you, you visit these reasons, how, how, how much these regions, sorry, excuse me. How much do coaches uh, want to chat with you about teams, about growth mindset versus posit uh, positive reinforcement versus tough love versus uh, uh, just just uh, just tips on how to be a better coach and just sharing ideas? Uh, I mean, I, I've been to several of the Beach Nation and I've participated in a few of the uh, coaches uh, clinics where mm -hmm. I was actually one of the, uh, the trainers. And uh, what I found is people's willingness to learn. Uh, and to take what they have and hear what you have that have to offer and then trying to find how those connect mm -hmm. and then where it leads to you know uh none of us have the absolute 100 percent best way to do anything right. uh you can always get better you can always change and from year to year it certainly does i think uh for myself and then it was highlighted by mark and why i'm actually here doing all of this is i want to be able to make a difference Nice. And that's, I think, what Beach Nation and the different companies that were working along these lines is to make a real difference. And that's what matters to me. You know, yeah. uh, I, I'd like this to change people's lives in a direction that you can actually look at and go, wow, we changed lives. Yeah. You know, so. There's, well, yep. and I think for, I speak for all four of us. Uh, there's nothing in the world like coaching a kid, whether it's college, whether it's high school and club, and then they're off someday, you know, you see them 10 years from whatever, they got a real job, right? <laughs> Unlike us, this ain't, this ain't a real job for me. This is, this is just, this is me talking, talking ash and, and coaching and having a good time. But to have a kid that, that comes up to you 10 years from now and says, Hey, I remember you, you know, thank you. Like they are forever associated with you, but, uh, because of that, like that Certainly. picture, there's a picture Todd can't see, but there's a picture behind the wall, the first year at LAVBC. Now I've been coaching 27 years, but the fir this first year at LAVBC, the special group of girls, girls that couldn't even serve the bottom of the tape or serving aces at 24, 24, they're going to remember that. And they're going to remember the coach that's associated with that. And they remember the coach that, that didn't break them down or that much. <laughs> I'll say that much. Cause I'm not, I'm not the, uh, the positive. I'm not the growth mindset coach. I'm just not, I, I, I have a little bit of that, but, um, but Todd, uh, I, I wanted to go to, no, I actually wanted to go to you and Mark on this one. 
um, because you were talking about like height not being that much of a difference for beach and this and that. And I'd like to shape my question like this, so be, please be patient with me. Bear with me, but don't get undressed. Um, talk to Bruce White, right? New Orleans, you guys know him? White Sands, um, really good guy. I was doing a documentary called Club Coach last year, which is gonna come out hopefully soon. And Bruce White and I agreed on something very, very important. Because sometimes in club, you got you line they, these coaches. They line up these kids against the wall. You're tall. You're short. You're not going to be that. Forget that. You're not going to be a middle. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be this and that. And Bruce White said something really, really important. And you guys can can interrupt me or take the floor when you get where I'm see where I'm getting that. Bruce said, "Look a kid in the eye and tell and tell that kid never let anyone tell you what you can and can't do." He says, "I'm going to be realistic. If you're five ten and you want to be an outside hitter." It's not going to be fair. You're going to have to run 150 meters for the 100 meter dash. You are going to be looked at instinct, impulsively and instinctively by, by coaches and be like, oh, I'm not tall enough. But if this is what you want, this is th these are my assistant coaches. That's the box jump. Those are the steps. This is, you know, this is our training and being best passer. Let's get to work. So um, how, I guess, given the age, um, how much of an emphasis because uh, Todd, I, I, Todd pretty much answered this question, but I guess I want to talk about it more. How much of an emphasis do you tell kids as far as uh, the reality of what people are looking for versus the conflicting forces of what they're, what coaches are looking for versus what the kid wants? Uh, I, I, did I go I too long? Did, okay. Well, I always try to have a, a good dose of reality um, and. Uh, you know, what you were telling, you know, Bruce is like, Hey, don't let someone tell you, you know, what you can or cannot do. Um, but make sure we're taking a look at the whole picture. Uh, don't, don't look at only one little piece of it. Look at the whole picture. And you're right. If you're a, you know, maybe it's five ten outside hitter, which is crazy to me that 30 years ago, that was probably your average size outside hitter. But now that Dude, would be yes. really, really small outside hitter, especially at a D one school. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't be that person. I mean, I remember watching Pitt, uh, indoor play. I can't remember if it was the finals or semifinals a couple of years ago. And they had a guy on the outside that was five, eight jumped yeah. out of the freaking gym and a cannon of an arm. I'm like, wow, she's a pretty amazing. So yeah. you can be that, but like you kind of mentioned, you have to put together some other things, i.e. a great arm swing, a major jump, uh, maybe really, really, really good vision, right. uh, when you're playing. So uh, I, I am a big believer in, you know, being realistic. The fun part about though working with coaches, or I mean, uh, kids at Beach Nation or any kids in general, is a lot of them are still growing, and so there might and be. And that's the my, yeah. That Sorry, that was the point I was making. Go ahead. Yeah, you don't you don't know, especially you just. I mean, yeah, if they're twenty five years old, probably we're all done growing by twenty five. But when the kids 15, 12, 10, like you don't know, it could be a five foot kid, and you're going, yeah. And if you just kind of cut them off as being, uh, you're, you know, you have no shot because you're five foot right now. Well, maybe they are a late growth spurt kid, uh, or maybe there's a lot of height in their family. They didn't get the height, but they got the length. You know, I got a kid that's five nine on my team, maybe, um, who reaches the second highest on my team at Cal Poly because uh, she's got incredible length. We do it from her arms. Her grandfather is six eight. It's just that she's five eight, but has the reach yeah. of like a six one six two gal she's had to uh, do so, high fives at a young oh, age <laughs> exactly uh so it, uh i try and always put that dose of reality in there uh and then also 
I'm also a big fan. And this is what's great on the beach is like, you need to learn all the skills anyway. So we're not going to pigeonhole you into anything. And now you get the opportunity to just, to, you can block, you can defend, you can serve, you pass, you got to do it all. So learn it all now. And then if they do become the five footer to the six, six kid, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden they have all the skill sets to be able to be good at whatever position on the beach. Yes. Go ahead, Mark. You take a look at basketball, men's professional basketball. The pyramid's pretty wide at the top. If you're on a professional team, you're making a lot of money. In beach volleyball, it's not true. It's a very, very small group of people who really make a lot of money. And by NBA standards, none of them make a lot of money. You can make more money through endorsements and contracts, but it's usually based off of excellence and proven excellence. So I have had the pleasure over the last couple of years of having the ability to work with several Olympians, as well as a lot of second tier players. They come out of college and they say, I want, to be, I want this position. Okay, well, in college, you could those shots scored. On the FIVB World Tour, they don't. If you can't jump high enough, if you can't create enough angles. And then people will say, well, what about, well, Misty was only 5'9", or Todd's only 6'2". Well, Karch was only 6'3". Right. Chris, yeah. But Todd, I once made the mistake of saying Todd was the best attacker in the world for nine years, and Todd very quickly cut me off and said, no, I was never the best. I was never the best hitter. I was the best attacker. Right. So people say, well, gee, I want to do what he did. And I go, okay, well, you reached 10-6 and he reached 11-5. So you have to be a good enough athlete to create those angles. You have to be fast enough. You have to have those other skills because it's the exceptional athlete who can be smaller and still be able to play at that world level. And sometimes you have to have difficult dialogues with people where, where you have to try to have them be the best you can be. But if that's your only goal, if you're only going to be satisfied because you go to the Olympics, we don't send a lot of people to the Olympics. And the people we send to the Olympics frequently are just better athletes. They work just as hard and they can create better angles. Yeah, well, the skill set is tight, too. It's I mean, look, tight. if you want to it's talk hard. about, I mean, Todd and I had a conversation about second class athletes and first class athletes. I remember that conversation all the way back from 2019, Todd. Um, and... I can't disagree more. Well, first of all, I'm going to disagree with Todd on one thing. First of all, Mr. Professor, I kept growing after 25 years old. Last time I checked, rounds is a shape, all right? So I keep growing wider as we speak. So you need to stop lying to the American people that you stop growing at around 25 years old, all right? So that's that's a lot. I'm going to win that, I'm gonna win that battle. Um, second, like... I coached Jeff Samuels, right, uh, at Huntington. Um, he made the, he went, he played the three gnarliest qualifier matches, including um, Sam Schachter to get in. And I sent him a video on Qatar, not, and not because they're both black, but because the way Ahmed and Sharif don't cut corners on their actual skill set. Like, I live in Hermosa Beach, Todd and, and, and Rich, all right? And I can go out any morning and watch the men practice and the women practice. And I can watch um, an American male player run to the net and side set, right? But then you watch Ahmed and you see Ahmed's first step is big and he, he uses the second move. Sometimes we frown on that, but he uses the second move to square shoulders to the pole. They don't. So skill set wise, they're not cutting corners. So I do buy into the caveat that we're not sending our most elite athletes, but... 
Come on, coaches. Do you do your freaking job, dude? Why are you letting? Why are you not saying nothing about that, dude? And and Todd and I'm saying this in front of Mark Fishman's face. Mark, I go out there and I watch that guy practice. No way, Mark lets someone get away with that. No way. I mean, they they just look at Mark like, oh man, he's gonna he's gonna say something. So. So for the men, since we, we brought it up, because I was talking about girls, but we were also talking about boys. For the men, get some coaches who are not playing glorified babysitter. Get off your behind and do some real work. Second, stop, stop if cutting you, corners. How, how, well, how are you going to know if you're better or not if, the, if these uh, uh, elite athletes overseas are not cutting corners and you are? If you want to run a strategy, uh -huh. I want to be able to run a spread offense second option. My passing isn't good enough. My setting's not good enough. I, the, the reality is you have to have the skill set first to be able to run the strategies that you want to run. Otherwise, you just make a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. and you lose. Right. So, Do you know what the biggest oxymoron in volleyball is? Predictable uh, uh, deception. <laughs> Predictable deception. <laughs> You're doing this like you're fooling nobody. You're not fooling nobody. They watch video on you, dude. This it's a professional sport. It's not like oh we we didn't see that last week when we scrimmaged you. Yeah, a, a year later I'm I'm getting fooled by the same thing. No, it's it, it's the coaching is superior. Uh, it's a copycat league. Uh, more people are living in a video room like a hermit. And the only reason why guys like Todd and Joe and you haven't picked it up as much uh, is because the women all year round are spending an entire year not cutting corners, right? We we have, to me, it's a two-horse race to the Olympics. I like TKN and I like Chang and Flint. But let me tell you something. These girls that have come out of the college the last for five years and Todd, right? We had this conversation in 2018, like the boom period of these ridiculously good players that were coming out. Um, I was like, wow, dude man, there's going to be like four disappointed teams that aren't going to be in the Olympics. I'm like, this is how Brazil feels all the time. So, um, Mark, some you wanted that. You, you're gonna I, say I think you're going to say Chang and uh, Sarah Hughes. Yeah, sorry, um, not Flint Hughes, right. right. But yeah, and it's it's fun because when you watch what they do every day and you watch how hard they work every day, mm -hmm. you, you know there's a reason they're there. Yeah. Not only are they elite athletes, but they don't stop working. Todd, like, is correlation causation in this one case that the last Olympics, both women's indoor and beach won the gold? There's a good argument for that. <laughs> He's like, you're not getting me to answer that for real on camera. <laughs> I don't know how much time you guys got. Uh, um, I wanted to do a lightning round before we get out of here. Um, and you, you guys know I can talk all day, but um, please let me know towards the end so we don't leave right away. I have like these. Let's these get cool Joe first so we can get some info on this. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I just wanted to actually go back to your original question, which was about uh, the metrics of being an athlete or the height versus athleticism versus being a, a better volleyball player. Kess said it really nicely that beach volleyball is about being great at beach volleyball. And you can overcome a lot of those things by being a better volleyball player than the person you're going against. Is it advantageous to be taller 100%? Is that a metrics that matters? Yes, and it's an easy one for a coach to judge. You're 6'3". You're going to have advantages over somebody that is 5'7". The answer sure. to that is, okay, is that 5'7", a bigger athlete? Maybe. Okay, that's another metrics. Mm -hmm. The final metrics, which I think is very important, especially if we're not talking about elite, because that's where being a better volleyball player meets being a better athlete as well as, but let's talk about uh, everybody else. Gotcha. Let's talk about everybody else. Let's do it. 
being a better volleyball player will bring you success at many of the levels over just being a better athlete. And I think for the majority of the people out there, learning the game in Beach Nation as well as how we coach and our style really emphasizes that because we're not making the greatest volleyball players in the world. We're making people to compete at certain levels and we want them to have success in the sport Yep. and use what they have, their God-given abilities, and amplify that with a better technique. Yeah. Like, think about this. Like, Todd Todd didn't hide behind Phil to win a gold, right? Phil wasn't optioning back then. He had to be a side-out machine. Bruno Oscar Schmidt, who's graciously listed at six feet tall, right? Uh, with a guy with one of the last bump setters in the sport won a gold in Rio. So, so I totally, totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And you weren't talking about elite. You were talking about. Yeah, I'd about rather talk about the other, the, Maricosta or yeah. whatever Sac State or every. Yeah. Are they doing, are they the best they can be? And right. are we helping them get to that point? That's always the question. Even if you answer, you ask it again the next morning and the yep. morning after that and the morning after that. So I had the luxury of working with Skylar Gurman for a while, and she decided to leave Long Beach, and she is now just picked up with, uh, she's going to go to FSU. Fantastic athlete, great teammate, wonderful person. 5'9", mm-hmm. every major school was recruiting her, 5'9". The point is, in beach volleyball, you can be 5'9", and you can re- get recruited from an FSU or USC or whatever the schools are that are recruiting you, you can go to Cal Poly, an incredibly good university. Right. You can also, I mean, an East Coast, West Coast, the fastest growing Division One sport in the United States. So it gives you the opportunity to be an excellent volleyball player. And to me, your goal should be as an athlete to be limited. You don't want to be limited by how good of an athlete you are. You want to become the best volleyball player, the best student of that game you can. And that's, you know, you want to end up in, in that balance of I'm matching, I'm being the best volleyball player I can and using the, my athleticism to the very best of its ability. You're not supposed to just rely on of just being the best athlete in, in the gym. That's usually a bad way to go. Hmm. Eventually you find somebody who's better trained and worked harder. Because that's what happens. That's what he's talking about. Yep. As you as as levels change. As that's what Rich was talking about. As levels change, sooner or later you're going to run into someone who jumps the same way, same athleticism. But, but who cares and what about you, that? And what and what do you have to fall back on? <laughs> that's the question, yeah. right? What do you, what does that person have to fall player. back fall back on? And what do you have to fall back on? Oh, that's, that's why right. that's why they call him the professor. Because last time I checked uh, for for about nine years, I don't remember Phil getting served very much. No, it it had to be him. It had to Which be him to be creative, to, like he's he, the best attacker. He had to be the yeah. best passer. So because yeah. when you're six three, you needed the ball in a window. Yeah. And then he had to be the best attacker, not just the best hitter, because mm-hmm. there's always going to be a better hitter. You know. Right. Let's guys. Let's talk about skill set a little bit. What's I'm going to go around the room. What's one of the fundamentals as far as the six fundamentals of uh, uh, passing, digging, setting, blocking, serving, hitting. Um, what fundamental do you find comes easier? I'll give you, I'll just give you a, a random age. You guys coach 14s or 15s? I have in the past. At Beach Nation, do you have 14s or 15s? Yes. What's the skill set that the that comes easiest to some of the kids? Is it first hit? Is it digging? I would say passing for me. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's the kind of the fundamental of my thought process of beginning the chain of events that leads to attacking. You know, obviously serving is the first piece, but right. I, I ignore that to most part. And I usually start with passing as my nice. first intent. 
Todd? Uh, I'd have to agree with Joe. Uh, you know, it, it's passing. Uh, it, it's something that I think they do to start off with every time. I mean, you watch them just take a ball. What do they do? Right. They start passing. Yeah, uh, you know, you would have thought you two coach at the same school or something. Uh, Mark? <laughs> we agree. It's It's the most common action they do, and they figure out pretty quickly how to keep the ball in the general direction of their partner. What about the most difficult? What's 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 something you guys consider from uh, uh, a large number of players tough sledding? You're talking about of the pillars. Uh, I would say blocking on the women's side is probably the most difficult thing to because there's more. There's kind of what we call art involved right. in it, mm. uh, which is gained through actual repetition of doing things properly. But uh, I think blocking is the hardest things for at least me to see success in a short period of time. Right. To me, Mark? It's, to me, it's eye sequence. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes across every one of the skill sets. All right, Todd? If you had asked me six years ago, I would have said hand setting. Because uh, hardly any of <laughs> Not anymore, uh, right? They're all doing it. <laughs> and now I think it's just the advent of all the fantastic you know, club coaches that are out there. And, of course, colleges really pushing hand setting now yeah. no longer. Um, so I, I tend to agree with uh, – these guys, I think blocking, uh, mm-hmm. and I also think pulling, yeah. um, pulling super important. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, I find very few people are good blockers or good pullers coming out of high school. Yeah. I, 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 that really, to me, pulling really depends on the athlete, right? There are different techniques. Like I saw Sharif doing something called like a dip and pull. He goes down, shows you the entire top of the tape. You think he's coming back up, boom, he's pulling, right? But you're not going to do that with Phil. He's stiff as a board, right? So um, for me, since I'm a coach too, and I want to add, the the most difficult thing is the serve. It's the serve, guys. It is it is serve to space. It is who to serve and when. It is you telling your player to serve a location, but to serve the speed of the location where it's not an easy serve, right? Tell someone to serve position one. If you serve a lollipop and if they, they can make two moves to pass it, even midline it, then it's not an effective serve anymore. So um, game's tied. Do I go tough? You know, is, uh, um, am, am I in this situation where I'm, I'm hitting or missing or do I keep it in play and, and wait for them to make a mistake first? And, and we, sent, we, were, we were caveating 14s and 15s or whatever, mm-hmm. but I can make an argument for every single level, sure. <laughs> you know, to the, all the way from from the kids, you know, from the nine year olds serving 25-0 to, the, to the, the Russian national team in the finals trying to ace the French, you know. I only brought that up because I think the French had zero reception errors. That's why they won that fifth set and they won the gold. So um, I think they had zero receiving errors against the best serving team in the world. So that's how that's that's how that's done. So pretty cool, guys. All right. So, guys, let's uh, Mark. Is there anything else you want, you want to talk about before before I do this lightning round? Let's go, Joe. Am I lightning first? You're lightning mm-hmm. first. No, I'm going around the room. These right. are these are quick questions and we go around the room. Let's let's put it up. You're safe, Joe. He is safe. Thank you. All right. Let's find out which one is which. And there they are. All right. So let's go lightning round. Uh, I usually have a 60-second countdown clock, but camera four right now is Todd Rogers, so I'm going to have to edit that in. Um, Let's start with Rich. Favorite comedian? Uh, Adam Sandler. Go. Kevin Hart. Todd? Oh. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy, nice. I'll go. Sh- I'll go Chappelle. Last good book you read? 
Stranger in a Strange Land. Just Strange. reread it. Nice. Uh, Hunt for Red October. Nice. I read that. Dude, Todd? Boys in the Boat. Boys in the Boat. Um, I, I, I'm not this avid, avid reader, but I, the last good book I read, um, I got a lot of good books behind you. Scars and Stripes was Tim Kennedy, but the last good book, Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand. Uh, the World War II, you know, the the, the Zamperini story. Um, Marvel or DC, guys? I'll go first. Marvel? Marvel. 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 Nice. Pool or beach? Beach. Pool. Beach. Pool. Beach. Only because I live in Hermosa. If I lived in Playa, it'd be pool. Uh, uh, <laughs> places are dumb. Uh, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one, Lord of the Rings. Nice. Bourbon, vodka, tequila? Tequila. Bourbon. Bourbon. Vodka. Favorite sport outside of volleyball? Football. Soccer. Football. Mixed martial arts. Um, favorite action film star growing up? Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's easy. Arnold! <laughs> I go Arnold. Yeah. He's a god. Todd trying to be different. Todd knows he wants Arnold. Come on, it's Arnold. <laughs> it's tough to go against You will Arnold. lose. <laughs> you will you lose. lose. Him, or Clint, was, him or Clint Eastwood. That was, yeah, that, I know. No, that, that was, was Drago. Yeah, but... yeah, that's true. I'll be back. That's right. <laughs> I need. Come on, Todd. I need your clothes and your cartridges and your motorcycle. <laughs> we'll go with Arnie. <laughs> I like that. Um, favorite sports talk show. So that, that'll be pass or we'll name one. Um, I liked first take, but that's been, I don't, I don't watch it anymore. I honestly don't watch. No. I'm, go, I'm going with you. You're about yeah, the last pass. one I listened to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's favorite sports talk show. Let's go the option guys. That's go. me. You You're up. <laughs> You're in. You're number one now. <laughs> cool. So, so guys, before we go, let's plug in, um, where people want to know a little bit more about, um, beach nation, what you guys are up to, uh, uh perhaps plug in your Insta, plug in your website and uh, Mark, you go first, you lead. Okay, beachnation.net, you need a net in volleyball. Yep. Um, That's we odd. could not have been here if it wasn't for the JVA. Could not be here without Wilson, without Citibank, without mm -hmm. USA Volleyball. Mm -hmm. um, we've had so many people who have been willing to help us you know, and just go the extra mile when they realize what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, just can't say thank you enough to those people. Nice. Rich? Uh, I would say the uh, Beach Nation team. Uh, it's a, a wonderful group of people to work with. Uh, you know, I, I've learned as a coach so much and as a person. So I have a special thanks to everybody on the team. Yeah. Well, you you deserve it. You're just a really good coach. I met you in 2018 and we, we had so much fun. It wasn't just karaoke and singing and getting drunk. It was it was <laughs> some great conversations with volleyball, you know. Yeah. Um, because in the summer we'd have screaming matches, like like in private. We we would, you know, uh, as far as sharing new ideas. You, I will never tell you guys fully about that. Um, Todd. Just hope that uh, people get out there. We'll be in Denver on uh, June twenty second, in uh, Connecticut, twenty uh, twenty eighth and 29th of June, and then down uh, your neck of the woods, Hermosa, on July eleventh. And hopefully that uh, some people hear this and want to come out. Yeah. Can, can I just please I just, want, I just want to say thank you to obviously Todd and Patty Dodd who yeah. helped me create who helped us create this yeah. uh, Brooke Niles who was so instrumental in the beginning and the people who are with us now which is April Ross John Spira 
Right. Jenny Han, who's at the JVA, who is just one of the most amazing people in my life. Ryan Jabara, who's the CMO at Citibank, who what he's done for para-Olympians and what he's done for para-athletes is just, you, you can't say enough. John Kessel. Yeah. Literally a Thanks for legend. dropping in, John. You're the man. Just, he is the man. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate that guy. Al Lau at the AVP because the work they're doing with us from feeding the homeless to running events to having us in the beginning make sure that we had a home. Can't say thank you enough. Chrissy Jones, who has always helped keep us in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the stream. Class personified. Class personified. People don't realize some of the challenges she had and she's always met just class. Like yeah. said, class personified. Just shares grace. Uh, Blake Russ from Wilson. Um, yeah. Every time we've needed something for kids, everything, at the end of the year, we gave away $12,000 of equipment. We did a giveaway to clubs in need and people in need and Blake was literally the first guy who said, how do I help? Um, we have a woman, Diane Perinich, who's been on our board and has brought us Trevor, uh, Trevor Noah, Noah and a variety of other just amazing resources um, for the education, for the board, how to grow it, how to organize it. Um, Beth Van Fleet, right. Georgia State. Um just amazing. Kristen Rurit, now at ASU, same thing. Uh, just just two amazing coaches, two amazing people, people who always bring us just grace and hard work. And Joe Rich, obviously, to my right. And Joe, you have just been one of the most hardworking and diligent people. You've been a great friend. And my best friend, Todd Rogers, who just, again, I can't say thank you enough for the leadership and the friendship. So none of this happens without this amazing team. And uh, Joe, you said it well, just an amazing team. And Jason, thank you for having us here today. No, the pleasure's all mine. And since I got this rock star full of uh, attraction and viewership, um, Todd, I'm going to Aspen. I'm going to Motherload Labor Day weekend. So I just wanted to use this time for like any audience member that, that we're looking for like a media um, group to, to broadcast it for us. Like I'm, I'm looking at var Varsity Sports now from New Orleans. So uh, uh, Randy and I are going to do color commentary for the whole weekend. So they were looking for me to do it off my handle on YouTube. But I want, I, I, you know, we have investors and I want people, I want like a media group to come in and see if they, they you know, can come in and, and do it. Just do it more properly than me. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, Guys, I'm not that like this this tech guy. I had, I did this on my own just so I could survive and just so I can meet people. I kind of did what I had to do, but I'm not. You're right. I'm not the expert at this, Todd. Right? We volleyball players. We have to become experts, right? Todd's like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. It's like, yes, you are. <laughs> Congratulations, you're an Avenger. Go heal this guy. So, um, yeah. So let's get some of these tech gurus out here to help our boy. Yeah, for Aspen. It's a beautiful place. It's like freaking Germany My, uh, or Amsterdam meets Santa Fe. It's like it's like it's like Amsterdam except everyone speaks English, you know. Yeah, cuz winter it's ski land, but I, I went to the Motherload tournament several times. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And that was there last year. I was MCing for the first time. Yeah. I've never MCed before, but you know, I got I got mad skills, so I did it. Todd, um before you go, before we go, a little story about Chrissy Jones, Atlantic City. Um, what's that guy's name? Josh Glazebrook, right? I'm calling uh, court one. Josh Glazebrook, 60 seconds before the match starts. He's like, Chrissy Jones is going to be known by, her, by her, her married name for this match. 
And I'm like, sure, okay, cool, what is it? He goes, I'm going to put the camera on me for a second. He goes, I got definitely got it. Shunda word. And I go, what? He goes, Shunda word. And I go, can you spell that for me? And he goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> S H S C H double O N D E R O A R D. Her husband, wow. Marine, uh, a two time um, Afghan vet. So big up to Chrissy Jones. Big up to her husband, Max. Max, S- right. Semper Fi. Yes, big up to Todd, the Professor Rogers. I'm so glad you came on the show. Mark, I will, I mean, I'm so glad to have you guys on the show. And, I, and Rich, something you don't know is that these guys mentally prepared to be on three hours. So they're not going to know what the hell to do when we get off the air. They're like, wait, this is it's like Todd's always Todd knows these are lengthy. So Todd, Todd prepared to be on longer. So he's like, maybe I can go eat or something. But but guys, for Joe Rich, for Mark Fishman, for Todd Rogers, I'm Jason DeBeas. This is episode 179 of the Option Podcast. I think it is. I don't know. It might be 180. But for now. We're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.